episode 57 of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Max, aka Cards Max, aka Cards Max, Taco Fractor edition. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I am looking at TV Sports Cards Tommy's red Topps Rookie Cup shirt as I'm recording this. And I'm envious of it, and I want to acquire a hobby-related shirt on my own. Where I'm at the maturity in life, which I've been at for a while, but regardless, where you know baseball card, you know it's like you enjoy your baseball cards as a kid, and then it's like, oh, imagine if you're like 14 wearing like a baseball card, that's lame. But if you're like the jacked 24-year-old pumping iron in the gym, and you're wearing a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card shirt. Shout out Certified Cards because I've seen him rock it and he kills it. And similar to Tommy's rookie cup shirt, I need a top shirt that makes me yoked. You need a shirt of the picture of the Juan Soto gold crack. I think that's. <laughs> I think I think that's the picture that needs to go on a shirt. If a listener is listening and wants to do a little quick Photoshop of us of that on a T-shirt, appreciate it. Our good friend, uh, Spincinati, Hayden, he sent us a dope picture of an Upper Deck shirt he found at a vintage shop recently. I think Upper Deck historically has been the most ahead of the game on the Merc Tops, I think, made this partnership with Homage or Homage or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I got this shirt. So if anyone is looking for sports card merch, that's not one a place to go. Not a giveaway. <laughs> a lot of dates going on with giveaways lately. This is not a giveaway or not a sponsorship. Tommy just likes the shirt. I just like the shirt. I just like the shirt. Um, I guess we should clear the air real quick, Max, in case anyone is wondering if we're going to have White back on the podcast since he called you out. I can't wait to our producer clip study, please. I'm not clipping any of this shit. This is strictly for for really deep in the know. Listeners, White back once again is calling out Max, wants to come on the podcast, but he had his chance. I, I posted the screenshots. It's not happening. The inventor of the giveaway will not be coming on the Young Old, young old Heads podcast unless Max can change my mind about that. I'm kind of indifferent. Like, I used to be a, like, staunch, like, Ben Haynes, you know, I don't want to say hater, because that's basically but, like someone who was, like, just more annoyed with his presence. But now I'm just kind of, like, at peace with it. Like, he seems, you know, he seems like he can crack some jokes sometimes. Like, I saw... Um, you know, in Slab Mafia Sports is, you know, we love Rohan. He made a give joke giveaway off, you know, giving away a National Treasures one of one shield rookie. And he said one of the requirements for his giveaway was you had to comment, uh, Slab Mafia Sports is your dad, or Sports Card Mayweather is your daddy. And our friend Ben Haynes, Eric Whiteback, commented, uh, Sports Card Mayweather is my son. And I appreciate that. Like he's breaking the wall more. He's someone I don't know. I like. I'm not like annoyed at him. I like. I, I have nothing against the guy. I think he's weird. He might be into some like interesting stuff. I guess you know Adam Twenty Two and Lena are into some weird interesting stuff. But like the guy exists. We know what to expect from him. I'm gonna cut us off because I've talked about this enough. But just wanted to address, and I know that you're more indifferent, and maybe I'll change my mind. Uh, we yeah. will be having Rohan Slab Mafia Sports on either before the national right after maybe part in at the national maybe we'll do something with him but you can be expecting that coming soon for sure i can't wait to call our entire audience and both of us brokies that's that's how it is um i was saying that in jest i know but max it's been a little bit since we put on an episode uh been a while since we recorded an episode um i went to europe did not find any cards, despite my minor efforts to try to find cards. Not, not didn't try too hard. Um, but you've been at it all over the place. You were put on the bleaker trading uh, Coachella lineup list for trade night. Uh, in case anyone didn't see that, Max was put on a bleaker trading poster. And his name was like he's like some sort of artist and going to perform at Lollapalooza or some shit. Um, what was that about, Max? So Bleaker Trading usually has their trade nights about once every month to six weeks or so. And usually the event is sponsored by a personality. And 
they film the content with said person or whatever before the trade night, and then they do stuff at their trade night. But um, they decided to spice things up a little bit, and they gave some of their regulars and some of the people in their network showcases. So it was almost like a mini card show late on a Tuesday night, I want to say. And I was able to showcase, I was able to talk about my cards. I don't think I sold or bought a single card that night, and I'm totally okay with that. Um, yeah, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to save my vent. I'm going to save my vent for off the air because I don't want to indemnify anyone, but indemnify uh, them now. No, no, no. They're, uh, they're, they're like the banks they are too big to fail, but no, I had a lot, I had a fun time. I was able to talk about my vintage. I'm in a really weird state cardboard wise where I just don't own any modern. And this is weird for me. Because I will buy, I own lots of cards all the time. I keep getting cashed out. I keep selling everything because everything's selling quickly. I'm in this phase where I'm buying so much to grade because I don't know what else to buy right now. So I'm just buying stuff to grade. And I have two orders that are currently sitting at the grading stage at PSA. So it's like I don't have any cards in my bag that aren't dead people. But it's good that the dead people cards are still there. And it's not that I have an empty showcase. With my Albert Pujols Bowman Chrome model. That's always there, too. Well, some say Albert Pujols is just as old as Christy Mathewson. So uh, we'll see how that yeah. works out. Um, I guess that kind of you kind of teased out what I wanted to talk to you about a little bit today, which is mainly I want to just hear what you've been up to. We have been haven't talked in a while. We haven't recorded in a while. But also, the Nationals coming up in a couple of weeks. You'll be back on my couch slash air mattress in Let's my new go. apartment. Let's <laughs> go! upgrade uh now living in a new place since max was last year but um people are moving cards i hear a lot of talk on social media about the national people making plans people excited about it hearing buzz at shows that you know stuff is selling liquidity is higher than it has been i know that there was kind of a lull period in 2023 of liquidity a lot of people start holding the bag on certain cards and stuff um what are you seeing out there in the world, Max? I've been kind of sheltered here in my in my internet presence on cards. So first things first, when I have a place, you will have a luxurious couch with your name engraved on it that you are able to stay at whenever you do so wish because of the hospitality that's been extended to me. Um, and I think there is a Miami Palm Beach card show in August. Not that you need an excuse to travel, but... There is that, and I think that's on my calendar or something like that. I don't know. But that being said, uh, I don't think we've discussed Chantilly. Is that correct? Which was no, we, yeah, we, you were going to Chantilly before we recorded with Jason. That's what I figured. Yeah, no, Chantilly, interesting show, giving the synopsis of this and in relation to the market pulse. It was very strange going to a travel card show, and I felt like, as almost competing with mystery packers in to race in racing towards all the decent market deals. Like the, I want to say backyard breaks was there a few other mystery packers that I know were there that I'm friendly with. It's not bad competition. These are friends and that I sell to sometimes. And it's was I missed Friday because I not only was stuck at two hours in my early Friday morning due to traffic on Staten Island. But I also had the worst rain pour in human history driving down the Delaware. So I wanted to get to the show at Friday at about three o'clock. I got there at about six to seven on Friday. Didn't do a single deal. And by the time Saturday was already there, I was already kind of feeling how I'm already definitely in day two of a show. Not that, oh, Friday was a preview. But market is strong which is good. Not that it matters. Rare cards are still rare cards. For modern, it still almost is like that for whatever card you want to buy, literally just you have to get in that 90 to 100% threshold and then you can buy the card and it's that easy. It's like, and that's really relevant for your scarcer cards, but really everything outside like your cracked ice contenders autos. I don't know what a fucking quarterback is. I've never played football in my life. My high school didn't even have a football team. But outside of that, like, wacky stuff, most of the modern cards are pretty attainable if they're cards that you want. 
Interesting. Um, I I feel like like people are always trying to sell cards before the national is always what I see. But I also see people buying a lot. I mean, you know, you're the type of person. Max will be grinding every trade night at the national. Which have you been hearing about all these trade nights being canceled for the national? Max, have you been hearing that? I have heard about it. I don't know entirely what it pertains to. I think it's the national cracking. Like they don't want to have centralized events, and they don't want to have the other events by other parties that aren't the national. Um, but I know I, I have not been to the, a national at Chicago. Tommy, you've been to both the Chicago and the Atlantic city and maybe earlier, but not earlier ones, right? No. Yeah. I was at the 2021 national. I went a couple of days, um, did not do train nights, but I did, wasn't there last year, obviously the whole week in Atlantic city, which was an experience. Yeah. But I don't know. There's some like interesting little like get togethers that I'm hearing are canceled. I don't know. I'm interested. To, like I, I, my understanding is that the Chicago national is way more community centered and more of like a home base than the other Cleveland or Atlantic city or other city national. So I'm looking forward to seeing, especially since the hotels are all connected to each other at the Rosemont. So I'm interested to see if that sticks to its reputation. Yeah. That's definitely the main thing with the national in Chicago is that, well, it's out in Rosemont by O'Hare, by the airport, and there's a million hotels right there. So it's not like you have to trek around Atlantic City like last year to do trade nights or whatever. Um, I do think it's a loss on the National to disintegrate these, like, kind of organized trade nights for people that collect, like, more niche stuff. Like, I know there's, like, a ticket one. There's, like, a non-sport trading night that was canceled or something. Yeah. I um, know with the, specifically with the ticket one, they branded it really weirdly. Like, I know, obviously, the National was the National Sports Card Collectors Convention or something along that lines. And the ticket trade night was branded. They were branding it as, like, the National Ticket Collector Convention Trade Night or something like that. Like, they were really trying to lean in on being as, like, a closely official title of the National as possible. And I bet that didn't contrib- – that contributed to the, to the National not looking at them well. Also, please, for the love of God, do not say nationals with an S. It is not a national level of competition. You're not going to the national championships. It is the national. I love the nationals where it implies that there's regionals. You have to go through sectionals. Yeah. And then you, if you win sectionals, you go to regionals. And if you win regionals, you get to go to the nationals. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say when I like first started going shows like in like 2019, 2020, just as a consumer, just as a real true collector, I mean, it, there was like wait when I found oh when I found out oh this guy sets up at the national. I'm dealing with a legitimate dealer here, not just a mom and pop. Although I love the mom and pops that do set up as vendors. Yeah, I'm interested to see how much the corporatization of the hobby over the last couple of years is going to be impacting this year's national. I know last year there was a much heavier centralized presence of the big companies and the kind of like the center of the floor. So interested to see what they do this year. Because I know it's even expanded in like in the Chicago Rosemont Convention Center, they even have more space now than they did two years ago. So, um, Tom, you're an you're econ behavioral econ guy, right? Oh yeah, big time. You know? So, I guess this isn't behavioral econ, but I just wanted to get that out there. But I am <laughs> so mystified, and I want to focus so much on the Topps Rapper Redemption freebies, and I don't know how to attack it. I don't know if I will attack it. I don't know if I'll be on the, on the sidelines. But I think that is the most fascinating promotion that happens each and every year. And I want to have a game plan for it. For those that are unfamiliar, if you spend – at the Tops booths, Tops will have Rapper Redemption packs that have exclusive cards from the National. And every previous year, except for one, they have been Bowman Chrome designed cards with parallels and with sticker autos. That means you can pull a Mike Trout Superfractor one of one auto from a pack. How do you get these packs? You have to present tops hobby boxes and that are from a certain list that they provide. And you have to present them the physical hobby box. They will undo the seal themselves and they will present you with your pack. You keep the hobby box. However, the box is now unsealed and you can acquire the hobby boxes from anywhere across the showroom floor. It doesn't have to be with tops specifically. And 
this is such a fun promotion and I want to be the 200 IQ human being that finds out how to win this, but there isn't enough vested interest from people I know to bounce ideas off of, which puts me to shame, which means I will have to be doing this solo or not at all. The, the idea that I see the old heads doing the most uh, in my experience was people buying archive signature series boxes um, and using those as the box because um, then you're getting a guaranteed auto the box is like what four fifty bucks or so um, you hope you make up the losses that you'll get from ripping that on the pack I do love the, the freebies at the national it is makes going there pretty fun like last you know they do the who's the artist guy who eBay does the cards with um Sophia Chang I don't know. Remember, it was like the dude who did the Kanye West albums a couple years ago. Oh, DJ last... Ski. DJ Ski, yeah, DJ Ski. Those cards are pretty cool. You get them for free. Like DJ Ski so. owns the one of one Mike Trout Platinum rookie card. He does. Him and his firm do. Yeah. Oh damn! I didn't even know that he was out there. That's pretty cool. Um, and then Upper Deck will do like there's like a Tiger Woods card giveaway. Um, if you download EPAC or whatever. Oh, sorry yeah. to everyone. Sorry to everyone's audio that. that but... I put myself in a silly situation of they had the zero cool stranger things cards and like i was interested in them because like my sister likes stranger kit the stranger things and i'm like okay maybe i'll just give them to her or whatever and i like ask about the vending machine and they're like oh yeah you know like you have to come at a certain time and you get them and i'm like dude they're literally just trading cards like they seem so lame like i don't care about these at all and then like i come back around like the next day i see there's like a huge line at this stranger things vending machine and I don't want to sit through it. And then I keep hearing like one of the biggest blurbs that I hear out after the national has completed about how people made money was just going to this vending machine and then selling the stranger things cards for like $400, $500 complete insanity. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Um, I will say that I hope the national always stays a place where you can buy and trade cards with people. Um, I don't want it to become just corporate giveaway central, like social, like, the very famous giveaway social media controversies of the past. Like, I just think it's a kind of, it's nice that those companies do that. It's nice that there's some sort of national specific chases that you can have, but I don't know. At the end of the day, the national is about the people. Um, it's about media. It's about linking up with the people that you've done trades with online, talk to online, bantering, getting drinks, having fun. Uh, for you, you know, Max, you'll be grinding to cover the cost of your trip and stuff too, obviously. Um, so as long as there's still place for that, I'm always going to be happy. Okay, that's, that's the fun. I mean, I'll reiterate to drive the point home, but like I made zero deals when I was at Bleecker just this past week and I'm completely okay with that. It's for talking to people. It's for talking to your, obviously the national, you get to travel around, you get to see the people that you talk to all the time. You get to see the passion that you have with other collectors and that's priceless. So although I will be trying to hustle my way to make the fees from the monetary uh, expenses back that is at no discount to the actual benefits non-monetary that i will derive from being in chicago in late july and the national my last piece of advice before we turn to just i want to hear recent pickups i want that to be the bulk of the episode here just to hear about what's been going on in the in the inventory buying and selling max for you and obviously i've been going kind of ham on ebay lately so i want to talk through that stuff but I would recommend trying to go through early around the tables. Uh, last year, I had the luck of, you know, being set up with LEDX. I got to be there in super early on Wednesday, maybe even Tuesday. And I was just running around trying to buy cards before everyone was packed and it was kind of nuts. So definitely recommend getting in early, doing your laps early, and then kind of later in the week when you're, people are kind of more burned out, just starting to hang out and kick it. Um, do you have any last piece of advice, Max, before I turn to recent pickups and stuff? If you are buying or selling or doing a certain activity in anticipation of the national, don't, unless it's extremely scarce cards that don't exist or extremely high-end vintage and you're showing them to a larger demographic than you otherwise would. Like, and really, the only reason I'm saying that second caveat is because that's the demographic that is pricing things for the national anyway because they're showing their dead guys to a million new people rather than just their local show. And these people don't really use the internet anyway, but especially for modern cards, it just straight up doesn't matter. 
So if you do, if you're doing an, an activity anticipation for that, don't. Nice. From there, I want to know what's been going on in your buying selling world, Max. Um, you said you have no more modern cards left. Any if, big, any, any note, any, uh, anything of note that you've bought on eBay recently or trades that you made flips that you've made any, all the above, etc. Um, I just tweeted about this card. So, but it's, brutal because this guy is sucking right now and he is not an all-star but i'm going to go into a little lore lesson right now of 2018 and 2019 tops update image variations so i purchased a vladimir guerrero pointing update sp autograph sticker autograph as tops used to be up until the year 2023 used to have your normal base cards your short print image variations and your super short print image variations with at around 2019, 2020, your short for non autographs, the print runs were for your short prints, about 3000 copies and for your super short prints, about 300 copies. So about a 10th I'm basing this off of recollection. And when I remember seeing other people use print run calculations, so this isn't hard and fast crystalline data that I did myself, partly based off recollection. With that in mind, specifically for Tops Update, and I think only specifically in 2018, 2019, I don't know if they did it in 2020 with image variation autographs, and I don't know if they did it in 2017. I think they did in 2017 with Judge, but I'm not 100% certain. But definitely in 2018 and 2019, for they had sticker autographs on the short print and short short print variations. So your Juan Soto rookie card, his hands on hips has an has a sticker autograph, and his Gatorade bath also has a sticker autograph. And similarly, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is pointing SP has a sticker autograph, and his dugout with ball also has a sticker autograph. For 2019 specifically, I think 2018 as well. I'm not sure about 2019. The autograph checklist. I'm going. I'm no. I'm giving a lot of premise here. But the autograph checklist for 2019 tops had only rookies for your super short prints and all subjects for your short prints. And I want to say the super short print subject was about 30 names. Well, the short print autograph checklist was like 90 names for possible autographs. So the short print autographs are actually way rare or not way rare, rarer than your super short print autographs. I've seen print run estimates be on the Vladimir Guerrero with ball autograph be about 30 copies, while the pointing is only about 10 copies. And that's just a number I've, I've seen thrown out. Because although the odds are lower of hitting a super short print autograph, the checklist is much larger on the short prints to where the chance of you hitting Vlad specifically is smaller. So I found this card. This is... Tommy, I should have sent you the link to this guy's eBay auction today. It was just some random guy in Arizona, like liquidating collection. And you don't do like hundred dollar cards or so, but like he had like a 2017 Bryce Harper opening day variation. He had some like really interesting rare trout stuff. And I made sure to be mum on this Vladimir Guerrero pointing short print autograph as much as I could, just because like I want this from myself or maybe from a flipping standpoint, Throw it up, have a high ask, whatever, maybe. But like, I respect the uniqueness of this. So I bought a Beckett 9.5 of this card. It is the only card in Beckett's entire population. And there is only one copy in PSAs. I'm not sure what the ball and dugout is for the populations on that. But I know there's one graded by Beckett, which is a 9.5 that I bought. And there's one graded by PSA, which was a 9. And there's like no comps on any of this stuff. I think it's just such a cool card. It's like it, me buying this like commemorates that I've known this like really weird factoid about about Guerrero's rarest rookie cards. So that I can own this is I think very cool. And I hope he turns it around as a player. Yeah, I was going to say, what what's his stock like right now compared to like, you've been following his stock pretty, pretty closely since his rookie card started coming out. Like where are we at on his hype cycle right now? Um, we are lower than 2022 and way lower since 2021. 
I think an effect that we have with rookies is that once we have like one bad, obviously Vladimir isn't a rookie. I'm saying Vladimir, like I'm on a first base name basis with him, but if there's ever, like, I'm going to use the example of like Jamari, Jabari Smith, obviously basketball, but yeah, mediocre rookie year. His cards aren't dead. If he has a second mediocre year, his cards are probably going to be dead. But Vlad was an all-star last year. Obviously, he had the near triple crown year in 2021. But he's like treading water right now. But if he were to tread water in 2024, that's where I'd be very concerned. I already know, Max. This is a side note. But I know who your big chase is going to be this year in cards in NBA. And it's going to be Brady Dick for sure. Or Grady Dick. I don't know. Either way, that seems like a guy right up your alley for a max basketball card flip. I can't wait for that. But yeah, no, I'm I'm hyped for you to own that, Vlad. I know that you've been, you're a connoisseur of the super short brand, short brand, super, super, super duper, uber, uber short print era of tops that is now kind of ended with the gold mirror image FSP era that they want to start doing. But I'm always, I've always been pro the sticker auto uh, niche of those. Uh, I'm excited for you to own that. I'm excited to hear about the price that you got of that after the podcast, maybe. And when you flip it at the national, hopefully we hear a nice little cards, max flip story. Um, yeah. At the very, I think like the rare 2010s cards, just in general, very attractive to me. Like what I've said, like with vintage is like, I don't even care about the players to an extent. I just love card history. And this is like, important 2010s card history that everyone needs to know if they're studying 2019 tops update if you're taking 2019 tops update 301 at the grad school of cards university <laughs> you have to know that card um, yes what else has been going on though max that's a cool one you got that on ebay though that's just an ebay snipe that saved search or how did you even find that so i'm psycho like, I'll just say it like for finding both stuff to crack and raw cards. Every I did this before the podcast too at 6 30. I do this religiously starting at about 5 to 5 30. I will look, and I've been doing this for months. I will look at eBay. I will search by ending soonest. I will search like in one tab, like PSA 9, BGS 9 5, BGS 9. And on another tab, I'll look at RC rookie first. And I will literally look at every completing listing that night that is over 100 bucks. And I will look at all the ones that I may look at buying and I put them up and then I decide if I want to buy on them. Um, I, it's a little funny. I was talking to a friend, his name's Colby, who I sold my uh, Tyrese Maxi Contenders Platinum one of one auto to. And he's like, and on, he collects Tyrese Maxi and he is way up on the card right now compared to what I gave it to him for. I gave him to him for like, 10 or 20% higher or, you know, whatever. I gave him up for not a high markup compared to what the comp was. So he's doing well on it, but he's like, dude, like, how do you find this card? Like, were you like, what were you searching to find it? And I'm like, no, it was a PSA nine. So that's how I found it. <laughs> and in this, case, this was, this flat was a Beckett nine five. So I don't, I don't even think I've cracked a Beckett nine five in the past year. I was thinking of just removing it from my filter, but Hey, it worked that time. That's nuts. I mean, the the sheer volume of cards that you see. Can you give me an over under on how many cards you think you see on eBay every day? I don't know. Is that like each page is like two forty? So if it's like three fish pages each on both filters, maybe that's like fifteen hundred cards. Are you, you see your your laptop doing this? I'm, not scrolling. I'm, I'm like laptop scrolling. Oh, I doom scroll on my phone for eBay, so it just never ends. I don't even notice how many I look at. I'm just scrolling. Like, I'll like, whip out my phone. I'll sometimes alt it if it's a graded card. I'll like have like three. I'll have like a card ladder tab open. I have a Gixson tab. Look at me spilling my secrets. My Gixson tab open. I'll have like my PSA tab open, and then I'll have like Twitter open because I, I'll just get distracted in the tweet, and then I'll have like twenty tabs on door, and I'm like, oh, I need to start a new window. So I just start do it all over again and they start a new window. It's a lot of fun buying cards. You're fucking crazy, dude. Well, I've been doing crazy shit on eBay too. Nothing to your extent, but I've just been buying up like a bunch of gold cups, just newer ones. I've been just trying to buy. I bought a Bobby Witt Jr. Top Heritage 
uh, Chrome Refractor from this year for ten bucks. Wait, what? Card uh, my big gold. the Bobby Witt. Yeah, I've been liking his uh, Heritage Rookie Cup this year. It's a nice little play of him sliding in it or like making a nice little play at short. So been buying up some of those. I bought a Refractor for ten bucks. Felt like that was easy. Um, I did buy my one big buy recently on eBay at least was a 2009. Everyone knows that I'm a big fan of multi multiplayer cards max i don't know if you've seen this card um i bought a 2009 steph curry del curry combo out of 249 rookie card for under 100 bucks love the fact that i can get steph curry rookie cards that are numbered under 100 bucks still it's kind of ideal i bought a d gordon black rookie cup for 10 bucks shout out d gordon i don't know just been buying weird shit dude and spending a lot of like three five dollar purchases here and there but yeah so tommy vaughn dialect question of the day how do you pronounce the number one pick drafted by the orlando magic paolo paolo is that who you're talking about yeah i've always said paolo but i think it's paolo um yeah I've you see- go for it oh i never i was gonna do is i'm gonna have an anecdote about him after you what, what are you asking Never mind, you never mind. Yeah, I've been doing some like really stupid things like buying from China and then shipping it to my house, uh, which I'm even though I'm moving. So I'm like, I was like, oh, I should go ship the ship my cards now. So I've been doing that. And I'm going to, we're going to have a recap, I guess, on how good ship my cards is. But apparently it's like $7 to ship to the Oregon address for one card, or it's like 10 bucks. To ship like a lot of two to ten cards for them to ingest it, which what is, is way- this? okay. So do you know how like Alt and PWCC have vaults? Yeah. So their vaults operate on how for raw cards you have five dollar ingestion fee for Alt. You don't have one for PWCC, and I think for both vaults you have a three percent fulfillment fee if you withdraw within the first ninety days, and it becomes one percent after ninety days. And well, compared to the valuation of the item that they take in, and that kind of sucks. Like just being blunt, like that like adds up quickly. It used to be no fees, which is why I used to use Alt about a year or two ago. And I'll use PWCC for the Rye Appeal sticker because that is has tangible value. But with now for modern cards, there isn't a per- if I need to use them as a tax haven that really isn't very friendly at 1% the declared value, especially if I'm buying expensive stuff. So ship my cards, which has, I think always been around and has original, I think like its main purpose has been for people that are in Canada or internationally, and they want to have a U.S. address or something like the ComC addresses, but everyone knows ComC can be hacked with turnaround time. But I think you you can ship to their Arizona address, which is like $3 per card, and you get sales tax of Arizona, or their Oregon address for $7 and eventually get to its Arizona center. And it's like, well, I'd rather, especially if I'm like buying cards all from the same seller, I'd much rather just get a lot of like five cards, pay them 10 bucks, pay ship my cards, some, but it's 10 bucks plus like 10, a 10% premium on the shipping fees um, upon outtake. It's like I'd rather do that than give alt one percent, or excuse me, give alt three percent, because even though that's better than paying tax, paying sales tax, share my cards looks to be a little bit cheaper on paper. I can't believe there's a hobby company I didn't even know about. Ship my cards. I just looked at their website. Oh. That's pretty cool. I had never once in my life heard of that company. But yeah, if you if you are up north, you know you do maple syrup or something like that. I don't know what Canada joke I can add into my stir fry but yeah you would like stack all of your u.s incoming mail to ship my cards you would take the ingestion fees upon receiving the shipment and then you would ship it out all at once so it would save you money well i like the concept i'm happy that you're buying basketball cards from china because that's the best place to buy basketball cards is it only basketball cards you got other shit coming in from there too predominantly basketball cards i'm like i've been buying a lot lately um i've been cracking i think i've had like two grading orders i like junior camonero he's good just trying to find it's weird i feel like i'm buying a ton but it's all grading that i have in my hands for like two weeks at a time before shipping out 
or maybe I'll do a sub right after a national, right after the national, or it's like dead guys, which like no one cares about except for me, which I don't care. I mean, I care about it. So that's, what's more important. Fuck you. But, but Wait, for grading though, are you grading only modern cards or like, I haven't heard you grade any vintage really. Are you grading vintage at all? Or are you just, no, I'm not just grading Bowman crumb first sniping? Uh, I don't know. I like to mess around with my PSA nines. I I always like my my dimes, but I have to humble myself every once in a while, and I don't have my dimes. But uh, no, vintage is a little bit dangerous. I'm not at a point where I can. I feel like I can confidently tell fakes or not. And I feel like the good thing is I feel like it's relative to the dealer. If you if like you can trust their raw inventory, then you can trust that. But like I don't know how well I'd be able to ascertain a four from a six. And when the difference in value is hundreds of dollars, especially when a dealer may be charging it as if it were graded a six when it's raw, it's just not something that I've really dived into. Like I can tell the difference between like really bad fakes. Like if you have a Ty Cobb red portrait with a Piedmont 150 back on it. Yeah, no, that thing's not real. Like I know that I, I know ball, but I'm not going to try to, tell the difference between a two and a three and the cracking game might be very lucrative in that but it's not something that i've attempted and maybe i should attempt it i don't know i love danger but not something that is as of now been on my list max i love danger edition um yeah i'm excited i want i feel like that's like kind of the next level maybe of yeah your maybe. evolution i've been doing some veriswap trading yeah, what's been going on in Veriswap? I have never checked out Veriswap. Or at yeah. least I haven't like downloaded it or whatever. It's really strange because you're I don't I feel bad saying this, but I almost feel like I have to overwhelmingly be winning a deal or overwhelmingly know my valuations are returning well in order for me to do a deal on Veriswap. Because right now they're at three percent. Obviously, they're allowed to make money. This is not for me. I'm because People are allowed to do giveaways. People are allowed to make money and grow their band. I'm not saying that they can't take money. But right now it's 3% fee to Veriswap um, for each partner. So they're taking about 6% of the declared value for every transaction. And with that in mind, like 6% is like hefty. Like if you're doing, if that's like a $5,000, if you're giving up $2,500 of cards, that means you're giving them 250 bucks. So that's like hard to pull the trigger on unless you're really getting good value on your own stuff. But if they're a safe and trusted middleman, the fees are just at the point where it's like it I there are deal there are trade proposals that I've got received that I would do if there weren't a Verisoft Verisoft fee. But because of the Verisoft fee exists, I can't do the deal because it would be like that six that three percent is meaningful in the grand scheme of things. Or that yeah. five Five percent to my end is meaningful. Have you? So you you have done trades though recently? I had done trades. I think most of my trades. So I'd had one deal that was like a Jalen Brunson for Trey Young trade that was interesting. But predominantly, my trades have been vintage based, just because I know my value. Like I, if I can exit at a value that I know well, I again I'm saying this so inarticulately, and I apologize. But it all depends on the value that I'm exiting at and whether what I'm into it at. Like I sometimes have to change the scheme of not from, oh, am I really getting $2,500 of value if I'm losing the fees or I'm losing this? It's like, no, what is my cost basis? And would I rather, am I upgrading my cost basis from this? And if the answer is yes, then I'll do it. But I throw some of my cobs there. I have recently did a deal where I, traded out of a Walter Johnson portrait and I acquired a Cy Young, you know, glove shows C206. I was through, I gave away a, this is a trade, a PSA one Walter Johnson portrait and a PSA three Jack. I don't know if it was a three or two. I think a three 1953 Jackie Robinson looked really nice. And it was for a Cy Young glove shows T206 and a Shohei Otani atomic SGC nine five. And my rationale was that, okay, I'm getting like very strong high appeal. Like he was respecting my high appeal on that. 
So I could be okay entering the Cy Young, which is even though I'm trading up to a higher card, I was he was giving me good value on my stuff, so I could meet him Zayu on their stuff. And the deal went swimmingly. I got my cards yesterday. I opened my package today. And really it just speaks to the power of in-person trading at shows because it makes it so much less hassle free. So much more hassle free. Yeah, trading online is such a hassle, but I'm glad to see that you've been making it happen on your end. I love to hear the trades where you trade some dude that's been dead for 80 years for Shohei Otani and Tama Refractors. I love that. Um, yeah. I have a question for you, Max. I wasn't really around. I wasn't really deep in the hobby when Shohei first came up. Mm -hmm. um, is Shohei the most profitable card to own? Like if you were going to own like if you bought Shohei at his bottom, what sort of percentage return are you getting on his cards right now? Or do you know anyone who's, like, done that? Because I've seen guys on Twitter who, like, own some heat, some, like, big-time Shohei cards, and I know they bought it way, 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 way lower than they are now. I hate to give an inconcrete answer, and if you give me a few minutes, I can pull up some numbers, but it is a lot. Like, if you were buying Shohei even during COVID in 2019, or excuse me, COVID in 2020, but you know, when he was fighting with injuries in 2019, 2020, you have to remember when people were having that gold rush of submitting things to PSA and having a backlog for 15 months, they weren't submitting Shohei Otani cards. Shohei was sucking. Shohei was hurt. Shohei couldn't stay healthy. Shohei was an above average pitcher, but a middle of the pack batter. As of this point, Shohei Otani is the single hottest baseball player to own for cardboard. He's blown Mike Trout out of the water, partly because his market cap is probably similar to Trout's, if not lower, but it's diversified over fewer cards. And I mean, the, the answer, like you could be, uh, to at least put it, some sort of concrete answer of it, you could be buying some of his Topps Chrome autos for in the hundreds range for his Topps Chrome autographs and be selling them now in the high four figures, low high figures, low five figures. His Bowman Chrome Mega Box from 2017 is a $1,000 card right now with him from the World Baseball Classic. That's a sick card, but the thousand. It is a card with a 95% gem rate. It might even be higher. It might be like 97 or 98% gem rate. It is an obscenely high gem rate, and the quality control back then was so much better than it is now. But that card probably would have been what like 10 bucks five bucks during the pandemic now it's a thousand dollar card raw and this is for true first moment that's insane because i know like anecdotally i remember buying my shohei flagship throwing rookie card i think i bought it for 75 cents in like december 2020 or something like i bought it for yeah. nothing those cards now are selling at least even on Twitter, where like no one's buying cards really that are below a hundred bucks, like nicer cards. I've been seeing people selling Shohei base paper rookie cards for twenty bucks, thirty bucks a pop, just like ASAP, like like peak liquidation yeah. style. Peak. Um, I know his P so PSA ten, Topps Chrome Refractor, seven hundred card. Or excuse me, card number one fifty. Card number seven hundred would be a series two, but card number one fifty. I want to say his PSA 10 prices of that is currently at seven to $800 spring training. I believe spring training post world baseball classic. They're at 500 to 550 pre world baseball classic bump. They're at like, I think four to 500 and maybe 2018, 20, or excuse me, 2019, 2020 when he was lulling. Well, how much would that, that card been worth like 80 bucks? And that's probably like that's like a, probably a bad example because your biggest examples in growth are going to be the uber high end and the uber low end, and that's like a mid end card. Your Chrome Refractor rookie card PSA ten that's a middle of the pack card, and that's probably seen a ten x in the past two years, three years. That's nuts, and I just I'm kind of been shocked by just the sheer quantity of Shohei cards that are out there and the fact that like. Every single person that I know wants to own Shohei Otani yeah. cards are like, it's just peak liquidity. 
like I want to say some of 2021 stuff is peaked higher than it is now. And that's just due to the market circumstances. I remember I like sold a few, you know, his rookie card, 2018 Bowman Chrome with the batting pose. I want to say I sold two or three of them at like 1200 bucks. And part of that was directly consequence of people not submitting their Shohei base in 2020. And there not being much Shohei base relative to Acuna Soto, um, Judge, even though Judge wasn't hot then. Like there wasn't as much graded base as there were in 2021 as there was in 2020. We've caught up a little bit since then. But that's when you're literally selling $1,300 for a Bowman Chrome Shohei Otani base card after the PSA crash. It's insane. And I, I only bought one Shohei card, really. I bought his Topps Chrome 2019 SP with Ichiro. I bought that at the National last year for 80 bucks, And I think I saw it selling for like 140 or something now. It's not like a crazy bump that that card has gotten. But I remember buying that card because I was like, oh, Shohei is injury prone. I'm going to hedge my Shohei purchase for because i wanted like some sort of nice gold cup by making sure i get this card that also has ichiro on it so that regardless of what shohei does this will still be a cool card to have because of ichiro now i'm kind of kicking myself for not buying nice i mean everyone in the world is kicking themselves for not buying 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 nicer shohei before but just wanted to address it because we haven't talked about shohei really that much on the pod before yeah i mean that hedge would have worked out if it were yasio kikuchi and ichiro which I think have some cards together as they were both Mariners. Obviously not Mariners at the same time, but they're both Mariners and have similar backgrounds. Yeah, and speaking of liquidity and the hottest players in baseball, I do think that there is one person that is somewhat uh, competing with Shohei for hottest guy peak liquidity, and that is Ellie De La Cruz. It's rough for me to look back at some of my sales. And thinking of what could have been, especially you, when. Have you owned some pretty heat Daily Cruise cards bought, in the past? I bought a yellow Bowman Chrome Auto BGS9 at Burbank for $1,100. When last comp at the time was like $3,500 for a 10. Cracked it, gemmed it. I got it back like right after spring training, where the market was dying a little bit. I think, yeah, I think I got it back in like March or April and I bumped it to a 10, which is cool. And I sold it for like $2,000 at the time, which was like full comp. So I couldn't regret it. But now that might be a $6,000 card in a 10, maybe a seven or $8,000 card in the 10. I'm going to give myself a little bit of pain. Oh my God. I had such a bad card. I wish I didn't sell, but I did sell. Should I share it, Tommy? Yeah, please do. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So during the Chicago Spectacular, I had an orange wave, Luis Arias, speaking of hot names, BGS 10 Bowman Chrome Auto. And this was during the Chicago Spectacular when I visited you. And I sold it for 600 bucks. And I think I made $100, $200 on the card. It was a BGS 10 pristine. Luis Arias. Why would anyone want a Luis Arias card? Really, really good card of like a really mid player. And I looked on eBay to see what it sold for or see if there's any recent sales. And I found my exact card had a completed sale in late June of Luis Rise for $3,000. So the guy who bought it off of you made over two grand on that card, basically? He was a mystery packer. So he didn't make the money, but whoever pulled it did. Damn, that's crazy. Because I bet that whoever pulled it from the mystery pack, geez, that's nuts. Well, I'm quickly going to, before we close it down. What? Cards from the past. Cards from, I love cards from the past for you because you so often get... But you also have the other side where you've sold off cards way before you know they tanked or whatever, and that's cool. But that's I am like, pissed. Sorry. Okay. Now you go. Okay, no, I go. I have the true collector dilemma of finding the stuff that's hard to keep because as we're entering more and more of a bear market and receding from COVID, not that that's a bad thing. It's just the stuff that was rare is becoming more and more common. Like I exited, I owned a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. ball and dugout, short, super short print, no auto, just copy about 300. That was a really nuts rare card in 2022 when I owned it for the first time. And then I sold it before his MVP campaign. And then I owned another one in Dallas and it's just lost its luster. And then I sold it in Chantilly. But 
point being like Soto Gatorade bath. Oh my God. That's such a crazy card. That's like one of his craziest rookie cards. Obviously that's Juan Soto and not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But point being that's, you can find that card now. Like you will find the person. There's probably at least two or three people selling that card at any given point where it used to be like zero. And I'd rather pivot from the card with a print run of 300 to a card with closer to a print run of 30. If I'm still, so it's like, it's given me an opportunity. Like this is the true collector to me. I want, cause stuff isn't stuff loses its funness if it loses its priority. So it's like, I can't, like even seeing there were two of these Bryce Harper sticker autos, the podcast's favorite card on PWCC, and I didn't really want to bid on both of them because I didn't really want a third and fourth. I should have bid on them though. They, those are ugly comps. But seeing those two cards be available and like back to back beats almost made me like not want to own the two that I already own, and I kind of enjoy it as in like an epitome of what I enjoy in collecting. And even though this card is owning it is about one year anniversary of being owned because I bought this at the national last year raw, but I want the cards that aren't going to show up often of cool players. And we're, that is getting more and more difficult to satiate with me, which is why I'm pivoting to vintage. Bang. That sums up the cards, Max. Lots right. of dabbing today, Tommy. No, I've been, this has been a great episode. This is what the people needed. They needed an old school, classic young old heads. What has Max been thinking about lately episode? Um, I think that that is always good. I will say that before we close this loop on liquid baseball players that I am, as most people are, pretty pissed at Tops for not winning, for not rushing De La Cruz into update. I think that's a huge L on them. And obviously they want to pump out 2024 Tops as much as possible. And he'll be the cover guy for that. And he'll probably also have a gold cup on his rookie card, which is obnoxious for me. Um, I'm just pissed at Tops for that, so just wanted to make sure that I did at least some hating on Tops during this episode by saying how much they're fumbling the bag by not including De La Cruz in update. Yeah, I don't know, and I will once again be at my collecting crossroads of finding out what do I actually really want to collect. And with that, Max, we will see everyone next week. Become the card. Become the card cards are life i did go to the van gogh museum in amsterdam and in my head max you are a bit of the van gogh of the card world and where i can imagine a world where you are eating eating tops cards before i'm so i wanted to go to the met to see the jefferson burdick exhibit as an adult that understands vintage baseball cards now and i went on a wednesday and the met is closed on Wednesdays. So I was gate kept from being able to look at vintage baseball cards before I leave New York. That sucks. My one thing where I saw cards that was in Rome. There was a comic book shop that was like kind of nice, like pretty nice comic book shop. And they had a ton of Pokemon, a ton of magic and a ton of Yu-Gi-Oh, I think, but they did not have any sports cards. Pretty bummed about that. Um, I was at a street fest in Chicago yesterday and someone was selling. It was tough, but yesterday. Yeah, well, I saw some... okay. Tell me about the street fest. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. This is the, how every episode ends in some capacity, just random anecdotes, but someone was selling Pokemon cards out of their like street fest tent, which is usually like just like arts and crafts and that sort of shit and like homemade, whatever. And I was just like, what the fuck is, why is this random person have Pokemon cards? But I guess their, their son or partner buys Pokemon cards and asks them to sell them for them at the, at the street fest if possible. Um, they said no one had bought any though. So the current state of people that have been holding retail wax is no bueno. I saw a clearance. I saw a tweet with clearance stickers on Prism Draft Picks. It says like, "Oh, now like seven Prism Draft Picks baseball." It's like, "Oh, wow, now seventeen dollars." Oh, wow, now Optic Baseball seventeen ninety nine. I'm like, that's what it should have been the entire time. It should have never been twenty five dollars. Get out of here, dude. The, in DC, I was in DC just for a night because me and my sister flew from DC to Rome, and at a Walgreens. In DC, they were selling Heritage 2023 hangers 
hangers for $20 <laughs> retail at Walgreens. I was like, Jesus Christ, man, $20. Yeah, some places raised the SRP and then never lowered them. I still have my stash of 31 Louis, you know, Series 2 Walgreens hangers from 2020 with six yellow parallels per box. I don't know what to do with them. No one wants to buy them. I think I just have to keep going down with the chip. Degenerate. Well, Degenerate. <laughs> that's the thing, though. I'm hunting for Luis Robert yellow parallels. It's like I did, I've done the calculation once. It's like my odds of hitting a Luis Robert base card, which is what he wanted to pull at the time, was like it's 62 cards per, and that's like 400 cards per box. So I maybe pull five to six Luis Robert base cards, which are now worthless. And it's like the odds, like the odds that I pull a yellow Luis Robert Walgreens card, which isn't even a good card anymore. That might be like $50 now. That would have been like $300 or like $500 during pandemic. But just, like, just fucking rip them, dude. dude. I can't. I had to go down with the ship. It's like me talking about this Vladimir Guerrero pointing short print autograph. It's like I have to be the guy that whenever some, whenever those boxes are going to be in my house and there's a collector or a lady collector there, I'm going to have to explain why Walgreens Series 2 boxes are special and Walgreens Yellow Parallels are special in general. Walgreens Yellow Parallels will always be the parallel that speaks closest to me. Can I rip one? Can I buy one from you and bring it to my apartment during before the National? Do you know what? That's going to be my tax. That's going to be what I pay you. All right. That'll be great. We'll, I'll, I'll, I'll film it. I'll pull I'll pull the Luis Robert Yellow for you, Max. Yes. And I'll sell it at the National for $12. I used to have 31 but I did a giveaway a few years ago and just to make it to an even 30 and I think I just fucked myself because now I'm going to get 29 and that's such an annoying number. I don't know. Maybe maybe that means we both have to rip one. Maybe that's good content. You know what? That's yeah. good content. We'll both, yeah, maybe- we'll, both, we'll both rip one. Maybe we'll both rip them live in the Ludic uh, VIP lounge. Oh my god, that's content. I wonder if there's something coming up with with Ludic. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. Before before we actually sign yeah, off, I guess I have... like, you know, last ten minutes there's been like a conference call with me and Tommy. <laughs> I have an even better last conference call note before we sign off, which is I got followed on Instagram by a card account called at braves underscore babe and they said they pc all braves ken griffey jr and cards with fireworks on them and their fee they definitely do collect cards i mean they have a lot of braves cards um seems like they're collectors but they had a link tree linked in their in their instagram bio and I was like, you know, I like to look at people's eBay stores. I uh, know that's my weird thing. Oh, like, okay. That's what's in the if you, if you have an eBay store linked in your account and I follow you, I will have looked at it and checked to see if you have cards that I want to buy just because I'm a huge fan of going off eBay. But this person, the only thing on their link tree, literally there's one link on the link tree and it's just straight to an OnlyFans. And I'm just like, Max would have loved this anecdote. Max is going to love this anecdote. So check it. Just person on Instagram who does cards and posts a lot of cards that they clearly are collecting, but they have a link tree and the link tree just goes only to the only fans. Yikes. Not doesn't sound like a lady collector to me. Um <laughs> she seems like she's a lady collector. Maybe she's you know, I don't however you fund your hobby collecting, yes. do you? As yes. as the people who have listened to my what tweet as you want, Tommy Vaughn. And if you've listened to the episodes that I forget to edit before I fix the edits, uh, you know that I'm pro making interesting ways of funding your card experiences. So do what you got to do. Shout out everyone who collects cards. Shout out Kesson Hira, Max's favorite baseball player. We'll see you all. This is like holding in my hand, like the first ever like crack and great regrade I ever did. It was an SGC nine Kesson Hira. And I'm like, yeah, I'm bored. I kind of just, I like, I kind of fuck with Keston. I'm fine. I'm fine getting a PSA eight, you know, just to get a Keston in a, you know, getting a low grade PSA slab because it's sick. And I'm like, oh wow, this is ten. I'm rich. Now, uh, now I still own it a PSA ten. When it, I still, I found the SGC nine label and I tweeted it. That's like I found the SGC nine label as I was cleaning up my basement, my card basement, which won't be mine any longer. But well. that was fun. Chris Paul National Treasures. 
Cards on my desk. I am a card. We are cards.